reading from the Gospel according to Luke. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel being come in said unto her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Who having heard was troubled at his saying, and thought with herself what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found grace with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of David his father, and he shall reign in the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be done? because I know not man. And the angel answering said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee, and therefore also the Holy, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her that is called barren, because no word shall be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Man, I'm feeling weepy already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love reading that story. Oh man. And I and I've I I realize I've spent a lot of my life rereading it. It's 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 worth it. It's really worth it. Yes. Oh. Yeah, so here we are in Advent awaiting awaiting the birth awaiting the second coming the, the coming and the second coming. I don't know, maybe we should just start, you know, keep keep with the gospel. Right? <laughs> so how how is how is preparation for our our Lord's nativity going? 
Um, it's been really lovely. Uh, although I I will admit I missed a um, I missed a vigil on Friday mm. that I was going to go to, but we 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 missed that. So uh, there'll be something else happening uh, this weekend, and uh, it's been uh, it's been really lovely. Um, just thinking about what it actually means for us to get the gift of uh, of Christ. I think that's been the most special thing about the the Advent moment. Mm. Um, like I was just saying, you know, uh, meditating on what it actually means to have God become become one of us, to become man, and uh, having this uh, having this moment, you know, that's just been described uh, in the gospel that basically all of human history was waiting for i mean uh, this is the this is thousands of years of um human yearning mm. for the for the for the uh for the salvation uh it's yeah it's just it's very special so um i'm having a i'm having a nice time thinking about this and uh yeah I'm having I'm having a pretty weepy time I think mm. this year. Um It's been a wild year. Yeah. 2023. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's like uh the 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 come down from the covid years everything's finally hit everybody's sort of uh feeling the after effects of that and um it's felt like a very strange year. I don't know. It felt very, it felt very transitionary. Uh, it's been hard on a lot of people. And mm. um, one of my one of my students showed me a tweet where someone's um, showing that AI has found out that there is a a gap in people's memory between like twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what causes that. You know, it's real now. AI has said it's happened, right? Yeah. You know, this, this, it's, they've studied, studied the patterns of what's out there on the internet, and the pattern suggests that people had a hard time for some reason, but nobody can remember why, right? This, this how interesting. Uh, yeah, so talking about the anticipation of Christ's coming and the mm -hmm. and the birth and what that means, and I'm just. I don't know. I so I I'm, I'm trying to. I'm not very good right now at unpacking exactly all the layers of what's been affecting me. I think some of it's it's obviously we're praying, 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 praying for what's going on in the Holy Land. It just gets yeah. it gets harder and harder to see on the news, and it's been hard in academia because of the way you know that our many of the younger um, people in our communities, aka the students. <laughs> have mm -hmm. been, uh, you know, affected in a lot of different ways. I, I think, you know, whatever horror they've just lived through with the COVID and the vaccines and the the suddenlies and, and such. And even, mm -hmm. even Ukraine didn't hit campus as hard, I think. I mean, we've had, we've had regular protests the whole term on campus yeah. um, and everybody quite, anxious and, 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 and sad about, you know, it's like everything's in fear, right? We, we do, I feel like we're in darkness 
definitely mm-hmm. darkness, darkness, darkness. And well, we've 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 been exposed to um, images that most people would never have seen mm. before. Um, and I think Owen mentioned this on one of his clips. I saw floating around the, uh, you know, the the exposure to that kind of content is not normal for the majority of people. You would have to be um, recruited into a military and trained as a as a military person in order to to go into an environment where you would see those kinds of images. Right. And we, we've we've you know we've. Uh, uh, as a culture, everybody knows veterans come home. They've got their shell shock. Yeah. And uh, that's how it's um, categorized. But, uh, you know, I'm seeing people on social media, especially especially a lot of women that are doing videos in response to them being exposed to all of the stuff that's happening in Gaza. And people are having a response to it, which would probably be the same as, uh, as, as if they'd actually been there. Mm. It's just being oversaturated in the, in, in the horror of everything that's going on. And, and, you know, we're being saturated by it and then expected to respond in a particular way, which I think is part of the, the reason why everybody's, um, exhausted by it because, uh, getting exposed to that kind of uh, media with the a sort of um, uh, the pressure on top of the exposure is that you have to respond in a particular way or else it means uh, you've taken a side you know uh, in, in either direction you know like a, a visceral reaction to the trauma of seeing people uh, in that carnage is then politicized, you know? So it's like, it's, it's, I think everyone's just emotionally overloaded from it. And I, I couldn't watch it after, after the first few days of seeing everything pop up on the social media feeds. Mm. I just, I, I didn't want to uh, look at it anymore because, um, uh, it was, it was too much. And I feel like it was something, uh, something that was going to be creating a freeze response in everybody more than it was going to spur them on for a, for a call to justice. I, th- mm. I think there's, there's been something that has um, released in the media since October 7th that is uh, giving people a sense of hopelessness. So, mm-hmm. uh, Well, I'm thinking about, as you're describing, yeah. I interesting i don't feel like i i'm clearly not following the same the same social media you are because i don't see that many videos and i i purposely don't go looking um but it must be what it was like for people seeing the the vietnam uh Mm. atrocities on television yeah and and so it's it's suddenly being there in a space which had been you know the place where you went to get you know a comedy or you know ordinary news and then it like you know i was a baby then or late 60s you know mid 60s late 60s um but that that then spurred the anti-war movement in the in in the on the universities back in the in the late 60s and saying what was Mm -hmm. what was it like suddenly knowing that your country was involved in 
you know, flaming villages. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking. And and we had Vietnam War protests down here in Australia because we were involved in that conflict also. Yeah. But um, the protests here are, are – it just – it feels different because uh, – I mean, officially this is a conflict between Israel and Palestine, yet everybody knows unofficially that there are third parties involved in the entire thing. Oh, that we yeah. Can't, we can or cannot name, you know. Uh Vietnam was, you know, the uh, the obvious like uh, American invasion, and then Australia joined in, and so everybody kind of knew like we we can point the blame at ourselves because we're involved in this conflict, and therefore we're, what we're really protesting is against our own government's involvement. Right. But down here in Australia, it's like we can't protest our own government's involvement in this conflict because we're not officially a part of the invasion or the uh, you know the retaliation for the for the the massacre but uh it's it's causing it's causing ethnic gang fights here and uh and i think this is the the issue with the you know the channels that i'm watching is in australia um no one here has has been able to talk about what happened in 2020 2021 before this is all this is all gone on so i think this is probably why i'm exposed to a lot of mm. the um a lot of the content in those social media channels because uh, we we had a lot of people that were against all of the mandates and against all of the the um, bureaucratic policies that were implemented here suddenly trying to rally support for the um, the the actions of Israel against the Palestinians and everyone's seeing yeah it's how, the, con you know, the it's, cognitive dissonance is is yeah. definitely powerful yeah. yes yeah um and and uh, so there's no uh, there's sort of like there's no comedy I, I think we ha we haven't had that comic relief between these two massive um, events here. For everybody to to be able to take a breather, and everything's become very connected. Um, and uh, we need yeah, some, we I need some like hope. The, we need some. We need. We to, need hope. We need. Yeah. To, we need some way out of this. Well, it's yep. it, it certainly it certainly doesn't help when people continue to think that that Christ didn't save us. Um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, you know the, the the sense that well none of this would be happening if in fact Christ were the Messiah Jesus was the Messiah, which is a, yeah. a challenge a challenge for Christians. We say well you know why is there why are children dying mm. in the way that they are if 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 Jesus is God right why doesn't he just step in and stop everything? Um, I mean it, it it is interesting that that's that's the place people want to go. Right. It's like mm. we, we want we want the Messiah to be I, I've been meditating on this with all of the media images that we we've been watching for for our writing. Things like that giant dome globe thing in, in Las Vegas that can you know project these like giant images. So oh, yeah, you, know, you can see the this MSG. giant lever. Yeah. And, th and then I realized <laughs> that this is this is what. This is what humanity is always longing for, right? Give, a, give us a chance. We make, you know, the, you know, the, 
the um, giant statues of, I think it Ram, it's Ramses. It's one of the pharaohs, the seated ones at Abu Simbel. Right, this four to the four statues that boom out at you know certain time of the year or something. So it sounds like the mm-hmm. thunder is speaking or the wind is speaking or something like that. It's like given the opportunity, we make uh, you know it's like now we do it on screens, right? But it's it's been the 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 response as long as there seems to be like art, right? Make yep. a giant image and worship it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I realize I'm, I, I can't remember what I was thinking about this. I've, I've also been doing, I've been doing a lot of reading on George Steiner because I was asked to, to look at a text on, on him. And, um, one of Steiner's major arguments in his sort of literature and literary criticism and philosophy and theology, it's, it, he's hard to categorize apparently because he, he sort of crosses so many what most academics consider as separate conversations. Um, But what, Mm. what, as a, as a, as a Jew, one of the things that he was quite adamant about was that Christians were to blame for Auschwitz. Um, Mm. And, and, and I, but then in, you know, in his, we, I was asked to look at the, the work that I was because he's also famous for meditations on things like the real presence, although he calls it the real presences. And he's trying to, you know, find truth through Christian understanding and theology, but without actually being Christian, which is a, mm-hmm. really t- t- um, stressful for him, presumably. But with in the background, the, the 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 insistence, like if Christ, if Jesus were the Messiah, Auschwitz would not have happened, and because Auschwitz happened in the in the place that it did, and in, in Europe. And Christianity mm-hmm. has the role in European history that is has had that that's the proof that it's all a lie. And and I was I was sort of you know thinking through that. Of course, that the, all of that is wrapped into the claim that the Messiah will come. And I, I keep getting images of the the Trump characters, the giant robot. I don't even know what they're from. Warhammer characters. What are they? Those those big mechanical. Oh, like transformers like, um, or I don't know, right? It's like we yeah. want that. That's what everybody it's like when you're look here we are in Advent, we're looking for the coming of the the king and you basically want him to be now I've got ghostbusters in my head. Like the <laughs> you know it's like what, what would you think of if you want to be rescued oh the safe of marshmallow guy right that they have to blow up and mm-hmm. throw marshmallows everywhere and and on and, you know we want them building sized you know messiah should be the yeah. size of a building <laughs> and walk <right>? godzilla <laughs> it should be godzilla godzilla yeah. Right. It's like if, 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 if Christ is the Messiah, he should come at the size of, a, you know, the t- t- mile high building and mm-hmm. stomp on all our enemies. <laughs> Don't you think? Oh. And, 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 and that's where I feel like all of these, you know, these tongue and well, not tongue in cheek, but, you know, the Internet wars about, you know, what what's what's the truth of, of Christianity or what's the truth of religion? Mm-hmm everybody's like they're desperate and it's it's always the thing it's like we're desperate to find the leader right we need leadership that's always it's like political terms it's always mm-hmm. we need to have leadership and oh yes of course with the big event over the weekend was was um 
uh, Alex Jones is back on X, right? <laughs> oh, and apparent, yes. apparently, you know, Ye is back on X now, right? They're, they're letting them all back on. And these guys are going to be larger. This is in our poem. <laughs> mm-hmm. These guys are going to be is. larger than life. We're going to, you can see them that way at concert venues and, you know, on buildings, I suppose, projected there. And we want to fall down and worship them. I know this. Human beings, like we are... Like our knees are, you know, programmed to bend <laughs> mm-hmm. at the sight of a building-sized king. Mm. Yeah, it's the the original ratioing. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I mean, it's like get 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 all of this in your head from those giant pharaonic statues, right? Yep. Ramses to yep. the giant. I, I, I mean, I guess Zeus at, uh, you know, um, at wherever he was, the big, the big, the big Zeus statue, right? Or the Colossus at Rhodes, or it's like, we will, yep. or the Statue of Liberty, right? Make a giant, giant statue, and that's the image of what we want our God to be. Mm. I just thought about Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> Those are really good, too. Yeah. Talking about pharaonic statues. <laughs> This is um, Trump's, I mean, Trump's yeah. rally back in 2020, right? July 4th, 2020 at Mount Rushmore, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I, and, and I, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm absolutely convinced that that's what everyone is longing for. I mean, it's like the, the, the sci-fi guys that show the, the aliens come down in their spaceships. I mean, okay, so fine. They, they're, you know, little gray guys or something now, but I, th- I think what most people wish for one, they want it, they want, and they want to find the one to serve, right? They want, we want a warlord to serve mm-hmm. and that warlord is going to stomp on all of our enemies. Mm. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> i just guy, you know well, i'm just gonna like, let everybody sit and realize i'm right right yeah 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 well because i've been reading more silk road stuff mm. um and and basically what you've described is just the history of every empire ever i mean it's it's the the larger than life warlord that comes in and solves all of the problems but this was the uh it is. It is the temptation to just want to find somebody who can forcefully impose um, <laughs> order, isn't it? I mean, it's yes. that it's that tr- it's that Trumpian law and order, um, and stomp and, on all your enemies. Yeah, stomp on all the enemies. The, the desire for the desire of revenge is enormous. Absolutely yeah. enormous. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and, but it's interesting because, uh, see, even that it's a desire for justice, really. Like just thinking about that in itself, but when people want revenge, why do you want revenge? Mm. You know, thinking about this argument of like, if Christ was really the Messiah, then why bad things happen? Because that's the that's the the point. That's their atheistic argument, right? Right. If 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 God's real, why bad things happen? If Christ is a Messiah, then why why did Auschwitz happen? Right. But it's like the desire for vengeance in the first place. That human desire for vengeance. What do you want? It's really a desire for justice, because there is some 
perceived inju- injustice. You want the wrong righted. And well, there's a perceived there's a perceived slight. I mean, I'm I'm wrestling in my own personal little way with with slights, right? And it's mm-hmm. not clear that slights are in, always unjust, right? It's like no. it's it's your you know, and th- this I see with. Um, you know, throughout the social media world is, you know, people are being embarrassed, right? I, I feel like a lot of times revenge is out of a sense of, of embarrassment that you feel, you feel, um, you need, you want your status back. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I wasn't thinking of it in that sense. Okay. Uh, no, I was thinking of it in the sense of, uh, um, Okay, uh, these are different. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I was thinking of it in the sense of, you know, the movie Gladiator, where uh, Russell Crowe is there with his beautiful wife and, and the children are running around and they've got this lovely wheat field. And <laughs> the whole arc of the film is he's, he wants justice because uh, his family have been killed and he's been sold into slavery. You know, that kind of thing. Okay, but, that, yes, uh, that's a different thing than I was thinking of. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I suppose that that can be twisted as well but i think uh all right let's let's put it on the level of the slide so individuals have that desire to be uh to get to to get revenge after they've been embarrassed Mm -hmm. well so so do nations and so do empires exactly yeah yeah and and this is and then this being the difficulty of saying you know is the united states I'm reading. I'm reading the the the, the, the book, one of the books that Vox recommended or looked at and and thought sounded good. It is good, on like our monetary policy since 1973 has or ni- actually mm-hmm. August 15th 1971 the Bretton Woods two. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. we are in trouble, right? We have mm-hmm. been exporting all of our making stuff. We have been playing the is fire right, which I find is like finance insurance and real estate literally fire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and we are and we've gotten so used to having you know the giant reputation right we get to be the giant mm-hmm. where we yep. stomp in and take care of things and oh by the way if you don't behave the way we want you to we'll kill your economy mm-hmm. and drop bombs on you if you dare to try to change your monetary um relationships so that we're not in charge of them anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and the and and the fury at you know that it's like where christ's story ends up with rome is is interesting it's like the degree to which rome is or isn't embarrassed by by jesus <laughs> seen as i mean yes. as Pilate, right we, we've talked about that with jesus christ superstar Mm-hmm. But yes, I think I mean the, the the right now the feeling of the desire for revenge and the slight from my from my you know perspective as an American it's it's we're ha- one we're having to come to terms with what our government and our military has done in our name since it it's we the people who are sovereign allegedly mm-hmm. um, which has some 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 tricks and and twists in there if you. Uh, Recognize that the sovereign, it's like, this, this is from the book I'm reading too. The sovereign is the one who can break the law because he's not totally mm-hmm. bound by the law. So if the people are not, wait, if the people are sovereign, who's law, who does the law bind? Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> but the, the, you know, the degree to which the United States has been able to puff itself up 
for my life mm-hmm. since, during my lifetime and you know everybody you know has to respect and be 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 polite to us because we you know wave that passport like in one of the James Bond movies when he waves the British passport right and you can go through the checkpoint mm-hmm. without having to stop that's a fun feeling oh the vip pass yeah 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> the vip pass that gets you in says you're important mm-hmm. Says you get very, to be you get to be in the midst of the the giant god yeah, guy, that very imperial passport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so there's the revenge against that empire that's killed your family, and then there's yeah. the, the empire's response to the slight of being challenged. Yes. Yeah. So they're they're two different things, but they can snowball into the same. Mm outcome which i think is what we're watching in gaza oh i think so it's yeah. a mixture of the two things it's a mixture of and, the two. and we can't say that without people becoming hostile towards us but uh that's the that's the fundamental problem with being exposed to this conflict that they're calling a war um we're not allowed to to say that it's both and we're not allowed to approach any discussion about the war as Christians and really um, boldly proclaim uh, non-alignment in in our response to what is happening over there. And, you know... Um, well, we are actually... I mean, that's, that's what I find interesting is, like, if we could respond... Mm-hmm consistently as christians we would be guided through this but i think yeah. i think i think we are so always so tangled up in the world and wanting not to offend and wanting not to it's like well one jesus told us you're gonna piss people off <laughs> if you listen to me um yep yeah, so I, I, I mean, this is. I think if we did respond as Christians, we would have the, the right response, but we haven't been able to generically. I mean, you might, mm. you may be able to, I may be able to, but the, the sort of general sense of of horror and loss is we're we're tangled up in it, not knowing which way to respond. And I think I think we've articulated it now. It's like, are you yeah. the gladiator whose family was destroyed? needing to fight back against this monster of an empire mm-hmm. um or are you the empire humiliated by even just not being acknowledged as good right i mean that's the empires tend yep. to pr- project themselves as peace right think about what what jesus mm-hmm. is born into the peace or pax romana right that, that augustus manages yep. to militarily create um and you know to, to to claim that you're not thankful for that, how dare you? Right? We gave you mm-hmm. gladiator games. No way. <laughs> <laughs> you got the best entertainment in the known world. What are you complaining about? Yeah. <laughs> there's there's some interesting thing about the gladiator games as as a um, a proof during the empire of the perils of democracy because look what the mob is like if you let them vote mm-hmm. bloodthirsty <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. thumbs down yeah 
Right. It's yeah. like this, the being yep. the, you know, it's like the, 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 the people given the choice plays games with, with the men's lives in the gladiator games, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yep. yep. Yeah. I, I think that's like the, the social media equivalent now, you know, it's like, dislike, thumbs up, thumbs down. And then that's why I think the, the exposure to Gaza's is is freaking everybody out because suddenly we're in the Coliseum. We're, we're looking Coliseum dynamics. Oh yeah. Now that we're talking about this, yeah, I'm yeah. really I'm starting to see it. It's the Coliseum, and um, it's a Coliseum on social media. Wow. We know that it's real. We know that people are actually dying. We know that everything that we're watching is real. Yeah. But we're in seats, you know, in the. Uh, uh, Yes, we're sitting, we're sitting, looking at our screens and saying, oh, I'm so upset by this. You're in the audience. Yeah. 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 And, and I think, and that, that saying that, that the horror of a lot of it is it's being done for an audience. Yep. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We are literally part of it. We're in that because we're watching Mm -hmm. the world is what, so Ryan Long, I do like his videos. They're very funny. He did. Oh, he's great. <laughs> he did, he did one where he's looking, you know, trying to figure out which, you know, which side am I more horrified by? I have to like, you know, porn watch the 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 the, the fear porn watch more babies mm-hmm. being killed, right? Which which yeah. side am I going to be more, you know, pick pick? And he, he sort of, you know, goes around New York, I guess, asking people which one which one are you more upset by? <laughs> but it's oh yeah, but it's yeah. it's the we he's right in that in that in that um skit of saying we're watching it right it's it's all being yep. put onto our devices so that we see it over and over and over again yeah you're meant to yeah. be watching yeah you're supposed to be watching um it's the and and you're supposed to be watching to generate the energy in response to it and that and then when you when the energy of your response is generated it's redirected yeah i think this is it like uh physically because i i used to walk past the coliseum all the time when i was when i was visiting that area sounds it sounds really fancy but you know it's like uh you arrive in rome and if you're staying with local people it's it's fascinating how much this is normalized this is why i'm talking about Mm. this because you see as an outsider to Europe, all of European architecture, all of these ancient ruins, and you think, wow, this is amazing. One day I would love to see this. You know, this is what I used to think when I was a kid. I would absolutely love to see this. And then I go in, I actually see it. And when you're there and you're living with people that live in that city mm. and how, and you know, you, 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 you stay with them. I'm not in a touristic way. You're just living with people that are walking around this place normally. Uh, like it, it happens very quickly. This normalization of this architecture happens very quickly. So like, you go from walking past the Colosseum in awe every time you see it. Right. Walking past the Colosseum, going, "Oh yeah, now I'm at the Colosseum. I got to turn left into this other street to get to this next place." And 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 that's what it's like. It's on social media. Mm. It's like standing inside the Colosseum for the first time, watching this horror that's going on over there, and then realizing that the more you're watching this, the more that you're normalizing it. Until suddenly, the Colosseum isn't a special thing to you anymore. The Colosseum's not this. Um, scene of of like a uh orgiastic violence and and this um shocking psychological um 
combat zone and you know it, it doesn't stop you in your tracks anymore you're, you're scrolling 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 and suddenly oh yeah there's more news from gaza okay whatever like well then they have to I've then got... they have to put on they whoever they are so we have fat yeah. fat playing through with dumb different kinds of the and Mel saying, my name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're in that we're in that sort of story of find yourself in the revenge, but <laughs> find find the six fingered man. <laughs> yeah. Um, that well, I mean, we've gone from I I, th I rather think people are still dying in the Ukraine, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and you know that they're calling up men in their forties, which suggests they've killed off a lot of the ones in their twenties. 30s yeah um but it's not it's i the, the horror of how it it has to be titillating to get us upset which is what you're describing it's like saying oh wait this 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 one isn't upsetting the people enough we need to set off another one yeah yeah it, it's like the romans saying oh okay well we'll you know we've got men fighting they're bored now let's put a bear in there yeah you know let's put a lion in yeah. there yeah Let's um let's put a woman in there and let's take away her armor and uh you know <laughs> we won't really give her an adequate weapon because that'll be interesting to watch you know <laughs> recruiting women into the military yep it's it it's a uh, it's it's like making this more and more horrifying so yeah that's why I stopped watching it I'm I'm not watching footage from Gaza because I I I, I don't want that soaking into my mind to the point where I've normalized watching that level of um carnage. Uh, because this isn't normal, um, and I don't want to. I don't want to be sitting in the Colosseum and being outraged at something like that. I know uh, <laughs> should not be happening. Right. Uh, but for me, what I've noticed, at least in Australia, is that it's the social test. It's the thumbs up, thumbs down. That's what it really is about. Oh yeah. It's not. It's not about the people dying on the sand in the in the in the center of the arena. It's all about you as an audience member in the crowd and the way that you point your thumb and because <clears throat> when you're in, when you're in the coliseum you're in a you're in a circular arena which is what we're in <laughs> right media. so you can see everybody else <laughs> you can see everybody else yep. you can see everyone else just like that dome in las vegas and you because you can see everyone else you can see everyone else's reactions you can see everyone's thumbs what what direction is everyone else's thumbs pointing uh-huh isn't that interesting? Yes. And what that does to you psychologically, you're being tested. So who's really the gladiator in that situation? It's it's a fascinating psychological experiment. It's gladiators that are fighting, and yet it's the crowd that's fighting. Now, how do you resist the influence of everyone else around you if you're the only one with your thumb up or you're the only one with your thumb down? Like that that, that whole thing. So it's like it really is a Colosseum dynamic. And because um, I had some beautiful friends in Italy that explained that place to me properly the first time that it was explained to me properly, mm. that this was the arena, this is, this is a holy place. I said, how, how can this be a holy place? You know, this is blood sport field. They said, this is the blood of the saints in here. Yeah. So that changed my thinking on that particular um, ruin. But uh, it's also changed my thinking on what's going on in Gaza. But it's the blood of the saints because they, they, with Christ, resisted becoming part of the thumbs up, thumbs down. Yes. 
Yes. And I mean that they could they all they needed to do was worship the giant god thing and mm-hmm. they'd be out. Right? It's like yep. you worship the giant god thing, you're not on the sand anymore, you get to be in the crowd doing your thumb up and thumb down. But as soon as you stop doing the thumb up, thumb down, we know you're not worshiping the giant god thing. So onto the mm-hmm. sand you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, what 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 like a, a superhuman courage? Like I, I'm I'm loving this conversation right now because it's 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 magnificent. You know, thinking about that 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 human temptation to want to have the Godzilla mm-hmm. come in and fix everything. But how magnificent the stature of those Christians that refused that thumb up thumb thumb down game that ended up on the sand. The the actual moral stature of those saints it's gonna make me cry (laughs) but this is actually topical to what we like (laughs) plotted to use as our text so that we could have something specific to talk about which always helps right because then we can like rattle on without even getting to it so (laughs) it's advent and the reading for the third Sunday in Advent is what I started with, the, the reading from Luke. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed, which always, 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 always comes up around Christmas. I mean, Fox was posting recently about how you know, the, 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 Z, the Zoomers are getting better at you know, resisting the claim that we should just be saying happy holidays and saying, Oh, it's Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's Merry Christmas, but there, you know, there's, there's a persistent hum to the, the online conversation to the effect of, well, Christmas isn't really Christian, which I do. I do like Vox's, you know, response when he's playing off of that. There was a thread that someone else was, was setting up and saying, you know, by the way, if you don't start, you know, sure, Christmas, you know, the Saturnalia used to be a pagan holiday, but Christians took it over. So, you know, next week take Toyotathon, and, <laughs> and then, so it's like, <laughs> oh no, and he's like, oh, you resist, aha! Now we have Shark Week. <laughs> it's like we all your all your festivals will be ours because Christ transforms, you know, the horror of of the world into, you know proper worship which okay that that mm-hmm. that's fine but 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 you know that's that's a fun flip to the effect of yes of course Christ transforms the world it's like it's fallen and horrific and with his incarnation it becomes possible for us strengthened in, through our faith in him to not play shark week um <laughs> but the but but the the obverse is you know but the tr- i mean it's still like the truth of the festival is still in what was there before it was Christian. Yes. Right. Yes. So, and, and this, this often holds for something like, and if you, if you have Christmas trees, like I do for the North, right. It's like saying, Oh, well, it, particularly if you make the Christmas trees out of evergreens, cause that's what the trees you had in the North. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that, that this is somehow the true, the true truth of Christianity is that pagan background. And, and your head are just spinning right now, right? It's like, okay, okay, so so what is that? And of course, um, me being a medievalist, feel that this is a little bit of home territory, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of written a little bit about, like, oh, I don't know, for example, the conversions of the Saxons in Germany, who were very concerned with the real presence and 
there's a you know famous treatise by Pascasius Rivertus that was written to them in in Corby in Saxony because they were curious about exactly well what does it mean to say these words of consecration and how does the host change in that so you know I'd say that that that, that I was talking about George Steiner right it's like the, the one of yes. the things he's yes. worried about is that that sense of what the real presence means and of course in modern discussions it's always as if this thing that the church has has always articulated fully well no the first fully full articulation is written for the Saxons in Germany to try to mm-hmm. help them understand what what that mystery is um how much it's like always the how much do we know about what the germanic peoples believed before christianity writing your answer out what do we know it would fit on a postcard no i mean most what we know of those traditions was written down by yes christians um plus tacitus right and maybe cassius dio who says the the britons are are weird and paint themselves blue and hide in swamps right but (laughs) Mm -hmm. the, the, the the problem of the the germanic traditions is they I mean, this is why the real presence issue was so interesting because they 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 have runes which they carve on objects, but the runes typically you know say things like "This is my knife." <laughs> <laughs> it's high culture there. <laughs> They're not necessarily that elaborate, and of course, some of the most elaborate That's runic like... inscriptions we have are guess what crosses, but. Um, <laughs> It's like when people, it's like when people are walking, uh, you know, riding in wet cement or they're riding on bathroom stalls, you know, like <laughs> Frederick was here. Yes. <laughs> right. My, this is mine. That's I'm all here. they've got from Germany. <laughs> Sorry. It, I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a little more complicated than that, obviously, but we, but the thing is we don't have, mm-hmm. we don't have a vast repertoire of evidence. I mean, even to the extent I've, I've said this before, I hope of what it, the anglo-saxons right the ba- the backbone story of us as english because old english is what becomes our english right we've talked about this on the stream mm-hmm. we're not even sure what their god's names were <laughs> mm-hmm. and and we do have some carolingian slightly later um you know uh laws where the king like charles or louis the pious or something is saying stop worshiping woden and tear and somebody else right so we're like okay fine we may know the names of the deities we don't have i'm really sorry to say everyone giant statues of any of them (laughs) i know they didn't make (laughs) i know everybody wants to think that we do and they're just gone but they had Mm -hmm. trees right they did you know saint bonavis cuts down the tree of tree of um Gazemir, right, and makes a chapel out of it. So they have trees. There's trees. But there's also a bunch of trees in scripture, right? So simply having a holy tree doesn't cut it to make it proof that it's pagan. (laughs) (laughs) But um, (laughs) so, okay, now I'm confused because I thought the Germans were. What, I mean, this this was the kind of thing, right? It wasn't German paganism like... 
the most amazing thing that had ever happened to to uh, Northern Europe? I mean, it could have been, but we don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the thing. And and when I wrote about Pascasius's treatise, have we talked about this before? I I I I, I maybe I was explaining it to my, one of my classes. I, I get I get confused which audience I've explained this to. So everybody, you get to hear it again. Um, the that Pascasius writing to the Saxons is doing it doing it in a context where what we have is like the 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 Christian side of the explanation to an audience that doesn't seem to understand possibly right what what's going on and in in the same generation we have um, a old Saxon telling of the Gospels um, uh, called the Heliand the Savior and. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my colleagues in, in medieval studies, Ron Murphy, um, who is at Georgetown as a Jesuit, so he's one of the good Jesuits, um, has done a lot of work on things like mythology, Grimm's fairy tales, Parsifal and the Holy Grail, but also on things mm-hmm. like these trees and stuff. He did a wonderful commentary on the Heliand, showing the way the poet is trying to translate images of power from the Germanic context into the Christian context so that the the audience, the Christian audience of Saxons can recognize Jesus as a, a power, right? It's this, mm-hmm. the God that you need to recognize. Um, he's still very much the, you know, the, the one who gets crucified and under the Roman in the hill fort Rome. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are interesting details like it. His baptism, um, the heavens open and a dove descends on him and sits on his shoulder. I feel like I was talking about this. Maybe I was talking about it with somebody else. Um, sitting on his shoulder is is very clearly an image of what we see from some of the the iconography of Woden having the ravens talk to him. Oh yes, memory in mind, right? So the bird is transformed into the bird of heaven. That that it's it's kind, of that, but the, the Heliand is one of the oldest texts that we have. It's like eighth ninth century in Old Saxon. A lot, all of the more detailed like fanfic backstory stuff is 13th century okay so we just we don't have the pre-christian old version of everything what we have is the christians looking back on their ancestors and saying "Ooh, they must believe cool stuff so once again without christians these pagan practices would not have been recorded in history right yeah because the writing came with the romans I mean, even Gothic, right? You're Gothic, right? Probably. Yeah, we, probably. we can't see her anymore. She's this this, this flashing pigeon thing. <laughs> but know that she's still Gothic. The, you know, Gothic is written down as a language to by Ulfi Laws to write the scriptures out. Mm-hmm. Right? So what we have of the written, you know, so that what can survive into the present and therefore we can talk about is the writing and the writing comes with the empire. Yep. So, well, I just had a thought then. So, we have the the empires that have all of their giant statues, their giant idols, but then the empires have their alphabets as well. Right. And what the Christians have done is use the alphabets in order to translate Christ, the, the the Christian story, the gospel, to these pagan people. 
Well, and this is, I, 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 so Casey's asking, do we have Wagner to thank for today's obsession with pre-Christian Germanic culture? Um, yes. Um, also the Grimm's um, in their fairy tales. But it's the 19th century. Most, so I, everybody, we, we, were, we were sort of brainstorming. We're still, maybe we'll get to Bede. Maybe we'll have to read Bede next week. We'll tease you again. Like we did with Theophilus, right? Um, no, there, there is a passage that I want to get to, at least at the beginning of the homily. Um, that when people people ask about, I can do. Okay, so if 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 you if, if y'all want to hear about Christmas trees, I can do that one. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Uh, that yeah. Asking about most yeah. of these customs, like, oh, where do we get this, that, or the other? Most of this stuff comes from the 19th century. I mean, it's 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 like we we are living in talk about watersheds and and such like that. We we've talked you and I have talked a lot about watersheds of of media, right? The telegraph and then the mm -hmm. radio and, and things like that. A good deal. I mean, our present culture is watershedded to the 19th century, which is why the Tartarian story is interesting. It's like they're not wrong; just mm -hmm. they're wrong about what was there before. But <laughs> they're they're not wrong that there was this massive like memory loss we, we, we were talking mm -hmm. earlier today about the memory loss from 2020-2022 there is a yep. giant memory loss in the process of industrialization right in the process mm -hmm. of this this media transformation and most of the the sort of time memorial christmas customs that we have now seem to come around you know that the, 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 if you really want the true full edwardian christmas it's about 100 years old it's you know 1820s mm -hmm to 1920s right that 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 feeling and and dickens with his christmas carol creates a lot of the feeling that people have about what a true christmas should feel like so it's very particular to that time place culture yeah imperial imperial britain yeah okay interesting mm -hmm. so even though christmas would have been well I mean, the first Christmas was not in not in Britain. Um, but are you uh, telling me that William Blake's song is not real? Oh, did <laughs> in ancient times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry no, on. No, I've just chucked. Don't you, I mean, I've, 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 I've that just true Christmas happened in Warwickshire or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I was because no, I was saying to you to. Uh, to you and the Drakes, uh, when was it yesterday? I was I was chuckling because I was I was in a um, a mall and the, on the radio uh, above my head I can hear that uh, '80s Live Aid song. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? You know, <laughs> it's like massive assembly of celebrities <laughs> that are. Um, I don't know, with fundraising for Africa, whatever it was at the time. Yeah, I think it was and Live Aid, yeah. <laughs> they're saying, exactly, Live Aid. So, you know, asking if they if they have Christmas, do they know it's Christmas time at all? I'm standing there looking like a psycho in the super supermarket listening to this <laughs> and chuckling. Thinking, <laughs> Imagine asking Africa if they knew it was Christmas. You know, it's just funny. But it's that it's that kind of um great reset where the aesthetics of the whole right. period have been superimposed on this uh, this story. Yeah, so even yeah. the Christmas okay. caroling, like we do know there are medieval carols, anonymous four, brilliant 
quartet of sopranos sing some of the, these carols. But the sort of phenomenon of caroling that we think of now, when you go around here, we come wassling among the trees so green, right? Mm -hmm. um, the best the best book for all of these, you know, ancient immemorial customs forever is Ronald Hutton's Stations of the Sun, um, which shows that most of them are 16th or 17th century. <laughs> It's like, okay. he's he's a Tudor steward historian. He's also done things on witchcraft and magic and such. But his Stations mm -hmm. of the Sun go through, and we, you know, we could, I do have that, I think last year when we were talking about the date, I was trying to think maybe we should talk through some of that. But th things like the caroling, although caroling, it used to be more like trick-or-treating and that you'd go and sort of sing, and if you don't, you know, if you don't give us stuff, we'll do stuff to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And, and, and go protect me, Racket. Yes. Christmas girl. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, Wasseline is going around begging for drinks, <laughs> mulled wine and stuff. It's not all like bourgeois and, you know, in the parlor like it is. And in, in, so bloody thug alcoholics running yes, around. Yes. Threatening everybody with the Christmas carols. You've got, you've got Dickens, you know, creating this image that, you know, all, all ancient Christmas, you know, Christmases were like the, Ebenezer's, which is Scrooge's son, is that it? Who's having the nice party, right, in Christmas present, right? That's a mid 19th mm. century post Jane Austen party, right? <laughs> the 16th and 17th century ones, one, okay, so one, the, the wassailing and stuff is like begging for drinks. Um, there, there are other things that are kind of like mis, uh, carnival misrule stuff, like um, mummers mm. and, cat, and masks and things like that. Um, the, the, the Puritans, I, I, I love pointing this out. The Puritans who came to New England, one, didn't celebrate Christmas because they figured it was pagan. <laughs> They'd already convinced uh -huh. themselves of that. Um, or Pope, Popish, right? And two, they wanted it just to be a market day. So I say anybody who complains about the commercialization of Christmas, you're too late. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was the Puritans that wanted it to be an ordinary business day. So there you go. It you win. Um, uh, but, you know, things so, but the, the, I mean, they're actually, the, the songs are around, but, but the sort of, the, the feeling of, uh, you know, Away in a Manger or A Little Town of Bethlehem, those are all 19th century. Okay. So we've all been through a 19th century great reset. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And things like so. Th there's some good books on on Santa Claus and like where Santa Claus comes from. It's I mean the obviously every so he's the Coca Cola Santa Claus. Well, yes. Um, the mm -hmm. the the poem. It's like if you really want to know why Santa Claus becomes a feature of our um, culture, it's "Twas a night before Christmas and all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse." It, it, it the poem. Clement Moore's poem actually made it um, in mm -hmm. the 1820s or thereabouts. And then over the course of the 19th century, Santa, be, I mean, it, 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 I think Santa Claus isn't really, Father Christmas is in the Christmas Carol. Santa Claus is, it develops as a, as a cultural thing by the early 20th century. Um, I'd say things like Christmas cookies and stuff, that'll come in the United States with the Dutch, right? With the, the, the kicking mm. German um, context. So you're all expecting me now to tell you Christmas trees are actually modern. Ha ha! <laughs> that one's better. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. So basically everything. 
except for the tree, which you're about to talk about. <laughs> Everything about Christmas that we would recognize as Christmassy is 19th century British imperial. Roughly, yeah. I mean, Retelling all, all of the stuff that people are really worried about losing as the authentic Christmas, like the, that feel mm -hmm. of it, the, all the stuff about presents, right? The commercialization and the presents that the earliest, yep. the earliest um, sort of things that, that were promoted as actual like Christmas gifts were books. This was hilarious, right? So it's it's early 19th century again, and publishers started realizing that they could do bring out special Christmas editions of things. So the book, mm -hmm. blame the booksellers for, I'd say, you know, or go shopping at Barnes and Noble now and carry on the tradition. That, um, it, it was books and, 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 and items like that, that then over the course of the 19th century, again, turn into our now full commercial. But so, yeah, it comes out of the, the British imperial industrial version of the feast. Amazing. We got to plug our books there. You, you realize you glazed over an opportunity to plug out books. Our book is now printed. Look at this. Oh, I actually, I've had the printed version for a bit, right? But it's printed. Look how much it matches the, the, the psychedelic pigeon on our screen. Right? <laughs> Buy our book. It's a Christmas tradition. Make it a Christmas tradition. Um, Absolutely. I've got the other book too, but I can't reach it without spilling stuff. Uh Okay, but that does not mean that the, the the feast as such is invented in the 19th century. Just most of the, the sort of bourgeois customs that we have around it mm -hmm. now fit with, you can recognize them right there. there. So what was it before? Well, in the in, in England, at least in the 16th and 17th centuries, it lost, it, 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 I mean, it's still more, mostly a, literally a feast, right? The, you do feasting and mm -hmm. um, things like Boxing Day when the servants get to take the the, the, the food home to their families kind of um, custom that it's it's much more of a like in Sir Gawain and Sir Gawain and the Green Knight right Arthur's holding court and they're having a feast okay so mm -hmm. Christmas used to be literally a feast not just like fast and feet like you fast during Advent and then you feast for the, the the holy day but the main point of it would of course be mass right so it, yeah. it's it's interesting that um, you know the, the the ancient traditions, like the ones I know from the Middle Ages. What we mainly know is the mat, the liturgy, right? The readings, the the chants, the music, mm -hmm. the the actual like liturgical observance. Um, people did have like dinners, and I think there's some custom of giving gifts, but it's it's obviously by no means the the level that we do. Hmm. So yeah, not not the Puritan level, <laughs> not market day, um, right? So, how would they have been? How would they have been celebrating this? It, if we take away all of the 19th century stuff and 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 the the couple of centuries prior, how would Northern Europe, who's supposedly the the you know this area is supposedly the the place where Christmas has been originally created, you know this pagan holiday, how would they have been celebrating the day? 
at mass. Yeah, so they're at mass. <laughs> um, you'd certainly have lights. You'd have lots of candles because, and and I do. Um, there is some good scholarship now on how much money it took to light the churches because it took a lot, right? You'd have to have, like special mm-hmm. bequests to um, light them. Um, the music would be more elaborate for the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically what I know. And then everybody's always disappointed. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's what our sources are about. They're about, oh, right, like, mm-hmm. you know, bead, bead, telling us this homily. Okay, so we've I've distracted myself. We've gone on. I still, Christmas trees, I still mean to say something about. We're saying, what, what would it have been like? Well, you'd have a sermon about the reading for the day. You'd have mass. You'd probably have, you know, a feast. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. So you'd actually have like some meaningful content to the significance of the day. Like you'd mm-hmm. spend your time thinking about why you're having this special lighted mass. I know, staggering. Like where, where, <laughs> where, where are the orgies and the and the fest? You know the, the 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 killing of the killing of of you know. Wait, no, that's the Romans. Mm. I mean, this is what what's so funny about it, it's like saying you know it's like oh it was really Saturnalian. It's like which bit? <laughs> right. Yeah. Which part of Christmas are you imagining people had in I don't know eighth century? Northern England. The electric flashing Christmas tree lights, definitely. No. Alas. No. (laughs) 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 Um... I realized, I always think I should really look all this up and then I realize what I look up and if it's in the liturgical commentaries, it's going to be about the meaning of the chants for the day. <laughs> so mm. maybe we should talk about that. Um, okay, with the with with the trees, right? The, the the principle the principal claim that people make is if it's a decorated tree, you're in the presence of paganism. Right? Because yes. obviously yes. Christians Christians wouldn't care about trees because they're Christians. Because Christians don't care about trees, because they're trees. Okay, all this shows me is you don't know the scriptures, right? And um, I, I uh, let me see what let's look at. the punchline matters, right? How I get you, how how I get you to this? That what I wanted to share, I wanted to get to eventually. We still we still have time. Is um, one of Bede's homilies for Advent, which is the on the text that we've read for today, the Annunciation. Um, Bede is important because he is, he's writing about a hundred years after the conversion of the Anglo-Saxons to Christianity. So like one or two lifetimes after they've been Christian. Mm -hmm. Right. And Bede is in his history of the, the English church, the single most important source we have for their pagan practices, which is almost nothing. Right. I mean, he had, Mm -hmm. he has them have a, a little debate about like, should 
the, 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 the counselors of the king in Northumbria to say, should we convert? And one of the priests says, well, if they give us, if this gives us more certain information, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and after that coifi, the high priest goes and throws a spear into the temple enclosure, which suggests throwing spears into the temple enclosure was a way of saying, I go to war with the God. I don't know. Right. It's like the B doesn't say, mm-hmm. right. He just says, we adopt Christianity. So even within a hundred years, this, this, this being the problem, right? Within a hundred years mm-hmm. after the conversion of the Anglo-Saxons to Christianity, the author of the most detailed history that we have of the king's conversion can't tell us what they converted from. <laughs> uh, that is kind of stunning. <laughs> I thought we had memory problems. Right. Think about we have memory problems, right? He can tell us all sorts of other things. He has very interesting information about they probably had daikons um, that are um, his one of his his, the abbots of the community, Benedict Biscop, brings back. He makes a number of trips down to Italy and he brings back a lot of books, which is how Bede's able to write what he does. Um, But Mm -hmm. he also brings back panel paintings, which they um, displayed like around the church little bitty church right but they have a a whole Uh series of images icons of christ and the and mary and the saints um you know bead is he he has he wrote commentaries on scripture all you know like scriptures after scriptures after scriptures he he loved mainly wrote books of commentary on the scriptures um was fascinated by the temple i I think i think we probably talked we used one of his images in the the mosaic, uh, the mosaic arc episode. Right. So he's fascinated yeah. by the temple. And of course, one of the things that's in the temple that he's really fascinated by is this candelabra. Mm. Candelabra. Which is. Ooh, look, I found a description of it. <laughs> so. The furniture that they have in the tabernacle in Sinai mm-hmm. is described for Moses by God on the mountain. And he sent down the mountain to make all of the stuff that God has shown him. And Bede knows this, right? That he doesn't know much about what Koifi, the high priest, did for why he was throwing spears in the temple enclosure. But B did know, you know, enormous amounts about the furniture for the tabernacle and the mm-hmm. and the, the structure of the temple because he wrote commentaries on both of those. And in the description of the furniture for the tabernacle, there is this um, candle candlestick. Thou shalt make also a candlestick of beaten work of the finest gold, the shaft thereof, and the branches. The cups and the bowls and the lilies going forth from it. Six branches shall come out of the sides, three out of one side and three out of the other. So it's a six it's a six branch candelabra. Mm-hmm. Three cups were as it were nuts to every branch, and a bowl withal, and a lily, and three cups likewise of the fashion of nuts, and the other branch, and a bowl withal, and a lily. Such shall be the work of the six branches that are to come out from the shaft. And in the candlestick itself shall be four cups in the manner of a nut, and in every one bowls and lilies. 
bowls under two branches in three places, which together make six coming forth out of one shaft. Both the bowls and the branches shall be of the same beaten work of the purest gold. They shall also make seven lamps and shall set them over the, upon the candlestick to give light over against. The snuffers also, and where the snuffing shall be put out, shall be made of the purest gold. The whole weight of the candlestick with all the furniture thereof shall be as a talent of purest gold. Look and make it according to the pattern that was shown thee on the mount. Got that in your head? Hmm. Yes. What does it look like? It's pretty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's got flashy lights it's got flashy lights yeah. yeah it's got lights what's it look like lilies um it looks like a menorah <laughs> well i mean we, we're we're primed to like think a... that that is right it's like there and there is an image of the temple the temple candelabra on the arch of titus these they, they, yes. they, they sack sack jerusalem and take take away and it's one of these but think about think about it's got branches branches yes can i say that again branches <laughs> and cups that are like nuts with flowers mm-hmm. it's gonna it's a tree, it's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> there's trees all through the scriptures and the candelabra in the temple is basically a tree of lights Right. It's like it's mm -hmm. it's their um, branches with flower cups in them. Right. So one, you have a tree in the temple that's a tree of light. Right. And so like, the one thing I told I did tell you just a minute ago, it's like, what do we know they did on Christmas? Well, they had lots of lights. We have we have mm -hmm. candelabra like these from the Middle Ages. These these gorgeous tree lights, trees, trees of lights. OK, so they're thinking of trees. Um, they're also because this is a festival of the incarnation. I realized we really should have read the sermon because there's somebody involved in this story that's, 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 that's important for light and trees, right? So just mm -hmm. that, that basically people need to read the scriptures more and they need to read the scriptures that the medieval Christians would have read and they need to read particularly chapter 24 of Ecclesiasticus and they need to start here. Then the creator of all things commanded me, and he said to me, and he that made me rested in my tabernacle. Which we just established has the tree of light in it, right? But, okay. um, mm -hmm. And he said to me, let thy dwelling be in Jacob, and thy inheritance in Israel, and take root in my elect. From the beginning, before the world was I created, and unto the world to come I shall not cease to be, and to the holy dwelling place I have ministered before him. And so was I established in Zion, and in the holy city likewise I rested, and my power was in Jerusalem. And I took root in an honorable people, and in the portion of my God his inheritance, and my abode is in the fullness, full assembly of saints. I was exalted like a cedar in Lebanon, and as a cypress tree on Mount Zion. I was exalted like a palm tree in Cades, and as a rose plant in Jericho. And as a fair olive tree in the plains, and as a plane tree by the water in the streets was I exalted. I gave a sweet smell like cinnamon and aromatical balm. I yielded a sweet odor like the best myrrh. And I performed my dwelling as storax and galbanum and onyx and aloes, and as the frankincense not cut, my odor is as the purest balm. 
I have stretched out my branches as the turpentine tree, and my branches are honor and grace. As the vine, I brought forth a pleasant odor, and my flowers are the fruit of honor and riches. I am the mother of fair love, and of fear, and of knowledge, and of holy hope. In me is all grace of the way of the truth, and in me is all hope of life and of virtue. Come over to me, all ye that desire me, and be filled with my fruits, for my spirit is sweet above honey, and my inheritance above honey and the honeycomb. My memory is unto everlasting generations. They that eat me shall yet hunger, and they that drink me shall yet thirst. He that hearkeneth to me shall not be confounded, and they that work by me shall not sin. They that explain me shall have life everlasting. All these things are the book of life and the covenant of the Most High and the knowledge of truth. That's a bunch of trees. Mm-hmm. You think people who read this oh. might have trees on their mind? It was like a botanical garden. <laughs> <laughs> With all of these all of these trees. Lots and lots and lots of trees, mm-hmm. right? That somehow we're meant to believe are only pagan. And yet they're here in the Old Testament in both the candelabra of the tabernacle and in wisdom's description of herself. Mm. It's a tree of knowledge. So the text that I want to share with you today, the reason I know about it is I am working on an article. I've done one article on it. This is another, it's like, I have this book in my hand. Which is Mariale, Sive Liber de Pre Excellentibus Exigimis Sancta de Genetrix Mariae, Supra Reliquas Creatoris Prerogativas, Ex Arcanis Sancta Scripturae, Sanctum Patrum, Sanctorum Patrum, Theologiae et Philosophiae Naturalis Mysterius Concinatus. Then a, a false, a, the wrong um, author. Um, it says by the Archbishop Ernesto of Prague. It's not. It's by a Franciscan named Servus Sanctus of Faenza, who was writing around the time Dante was like learning stuff, probably. Um, and oh, I just spent like three weeks talking about the catalog of trees <laughs> he talks about in here, um, including I mean like all of the ones that I just read for you from Ecclesiasticus, right? And the point of his little exercise here is to say all of these things, all of these creatures point to our lady she is it's like that that saying that this is the mariale um that is the uh, most ex the excellences of our the um mother of god in the um traces in the creatures and in the scriptures and the fathers right so he's going to look for mary everywhere he's going to look for her in all of these you know, like St. Francis singing the canticle of the creatures saying, you know, the sun and the moon and, and the wind and the death and, and things like that. It's like this Franciscan looking at the creation and seeing the mother of the, the, the Lord in all of those creatures. But he opens his um, preface with a quotation from Bede's sermon, right? Saying the, 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 uh, Exordium of our salvation, as Bede says, um, 
we need to attend to it. Let us take care to receive with attentive ears the account of its source so that we may be worthy to attain the gifts of the promised salvation. If you want to know what people were thinking about as they go into Christmas in the 13th century, for example, or I mean, in the 13th century, they're reading Bede. So like everybody reads this, this homily. We need to look at what Bede says, and we need to look at all of the ways in which they're seeing all of these references throughout all of scripture. And guess what? Trees are there, right? So Christmas trees are just lady trees. They're trees of light because our lady mm -hmm. is a tree of light. The representation of our lady. Yeah, they're, they're lady trees. Mm -hmm. And and they're fir trees because that's what's up there in north northern Europe. They're, they're, <laughs> well, hard to, hard to get Lebanese cedar, right? But <laughs> but, there but there's there. evidence for lighted trees in antiquity. They're different trees, but that's because they're different trees in the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Um and and one of the things that I'm doing with my work on Mary is um looking at all of these like the catalog of trees in ecclesiasticus 24 1 it's red for her feasts it's red for the assumption it's red for her mm -hmm. nativity it's like it as far as you're concerned that's naming her right so all of the tree names all of those tree references are always going to point in a medieval context to mary right any painting that you see that they're going to have mm -hmm. trees 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 it's always going to be pointing to mary because there's other there's another tree that is contrasted with hers which mel is mentioning Yes, well, Ecclesiasticus is admitted from Protestant Bibles. Ha! How interesting. No wonder we don't know what Christmas trees are. Right, they're just the trees of Ecclesiasticus. But they're they're ancient. They're ancient. There's ancient evidence of both. You know, these candelabra that they make for the the churches, and of trees decorated mm -hmm. with light to celebrate the light of the world that comes through the tree. You could say they're also a big burning bush, right? Yes, yes. So, the, uh, so I'll, I'll translate this as like uh, for Northern Europeans, it would be like Australians if the, if if people hadn't have imported different species of trees here, it would be like okay, you're going to convert the Australians. Suddenly, we become Christians, and how do we um, represent these trees of Ecclesiasticus when we have absolutely none of them right yeah well, what would we do we would uh we would be decorating a eucalyptus and that would be like our uh interpretation right. that's exactly what they've done with their fir right. trees they've taken yeah. the trees that were actually yeah. growing where they lived yep. and decorated them yeah so yep. that we think of them as they you know they have to be a canonical tr fir tree shape or something no that's just the it's a and they're they're green at the time in the winter right so we like putting lights on them but i mean you could make a christmas tree out of any of these trees yeah it's it, it's just that the time that it, pe people uh have, have forgotten the timing of all of this because we don't get told any of it so, so if we'd been decorating eucalyptus trees for a little while Every, Everyone all of say, Australia oh, will be on fire. No. I know what eucalyptus trees do. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, meditating on how amazing a burning bush would have been if it was a eucalyptus tree. <laughs> what? It didn't burn. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> that, that's some miracle. That's a good miracle. Mm, yeah. It is. Um, but, yeah, it's like uh, telling us that, you know, uh, these... these um, Glowing eucalyptus Christmas trees were were pre-British practice. It's a similar thing. No, you're just interpreting right. you're interpreting the timeline incorrectly. 
uh the practice is mediterranean it's it's middle eastern it's it it, it comes from the holy land it's not uh, uh it, it it's not from here right and the point about the same with the northern europeans so i i hold this up just to like you know show off how much latin there is in it um the, it's it what what service sanctus does and i there is an article that I published out there um, in the book on Franciscans and Service Sanctus. And so he takes 150 creatures because he says the same number of psalms that sing the praises of our Lord, mm-hmm. he'll find the same number of creatures that sing the praises of Our Lady. Right. So it's like what I've called it is mm-hmm. he's a psalter of creation. He's got all of these creatures. It's like St. Francis on steroids, right? It's like St. Francis does the canticle of the creatures. Well, St. Sanctus does all of the creatures. And they're all singing praises of the incarnation, which is what he starts with. Right? He mm-hmm. starts with beads, hom- this this homily that we one, one day we'll get to, <laughs> um, <laughs> pointing us to the origins of our salvation, right? He said, this, this is how beads starts, right? Today's reading of the Holy Gospel, dearly beloved brothers, sets forth the elementary stage of our redemption. And Service Sanctus was very interested in that, that elementary thing. It's like the elements, mm-hmm. right? The beginning. Here, here it is in mm-hmm. the beginning. Although I also did go through the... I've, I've got more books piled around me today because I wanted it in Latin too. Exordium nostri redemptionis fratres carissimi, hodierna nobis sancti and begelii, lectio commendat, quae angelum adeo de, de caelis misam nara ad virginum, Ut novum incarnate navitivitatum fili dei praecaret, per quam nos objecta vetustate noxi renovare, adque interfilios dei computare possimus. Ut ergo ad promissae salutis meriamor, meriamor dona per tingere primordia eius intenta coremus aure per cipere. In the vulgar tongue, um, translated by Lawrence T. Martin and David Hurst, Benedictines. Um, Today's reading of the Holy Gospel, dearly beloved brothers, sets forth the elementary stage of our redemption. It tells of an angel sent from heaven by God to a virgin to proclaim the unheard of nativity in the flesh of the Son of God. And I looked up the Latin because I was wondering what they actually said there. Ut novam in carne nativitatum, the, the new nativity in the flesh. So not unheard of, it's new, right? The nativity of the flesh. Hmm. Through him, we can be renewed once our guilty former self has been cast off and be counted among God's sons. Atque interfilios de computare possumus. Essentially, computare, to be counted. Bede was big on computus and study of time. So it's an interesting verb for him to choose. Um so that we may be made worthy to attain the gifts of the promised salvation. Therefore, let us take care to receive with attentive ears the account of its source. All right, so that's the end. We're going to do Christmas according to the 8th century. It's going to be like weird, right? It's going to be like blending all (laughs) sorts of weird, funky, pagan stuff that the Christians have to like suppress. And Bede's also the source of the claim that uh, the, the the feast at Pascha used to be called Easter. Like, literally, that's all we know. Mm. Bede says there used to be a feast of this Aostra. That's it. No more details. Literally the name. So the, it's like him saying there used to be a feast called Shock Week. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> with no extra information right so if you're gonna get like i like bedrock i like bedrock i like getting to bedrock right i like getting to the place where he's mm -hmm. saying this is as far as we can go with the kind of knowledge that we have written down in texts and everything else we can make up stuff from rocks right you go stonehenge and pretend stuff right but <laughs> mm -hmm. but if you want like actual human reasoning and language about what was going on we're here That's he, he also cites a lot of like augustine and jerome and ambrose and gregory and he's it's it's because of bead that we have that list of the four fathers as being the great four fathers it's because he bead was so learned right this guy who comes benedict biscop goes down to italy gets lots and lots of books comes back with panel paintings and books bead read all of them as far as we can tell <laughs> and mm -hmm. then you know it's like this is the most learned man in the eighth century he's so so learned that all of his books are then spread throughout the carolingian empire the reason that servus sanctus in italy in the late 13th century knows Bede's sermon is because it's copied into a homiliary a list a collection of homilies by the carolingians mm -hmm. paul the deacon same, uh, not different Paul the from the one that gave us the Theophilus story. Um, that familiarity is spread throughout all of Europe, right? So Bede's sermon, this one that we're about to read, it's like mm -hmm. bedrock for what all Christians throughout all the Middle Ages would have had as their like Charles Dickens version of what Christmas is about. Gotcha. Did I set that up well enough? Ooh, good. yeah okay fantastic <laughs> here it is all right so I, I i we only have a half an hour left i'm not sure we can get through the whole thing but we can get through the first four pages i think that would be it's about 10 pages long but anyway okay so that's we gotta listen listen now listen okay and i'll read a little bit and let you react okay she hasn't heard this, you guys. <laughs> okay. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin who was betrothed to a man named Joseph. A fitting beginning, unquestionably, for human restoration, that an angel should be sent by God to a virgin who was to be consecrated by divine birth. For the first cause of human perdition was when a serpent was sent by the devil to a woman who was to be deceived by the spirit of pride. Moreover, the devil himself came in the serpent, who once he had deceived our first parents, stripped humankind of the glory of immortality. Because death made its entrance through a woman, it was fitting that life return through a woman. The one, seduced by the devil through the serpent, brought man the taste of death brought a man the taste of death. The other, instructed by God through the angel, produced for the world the author of salvation. There's a, the translator's note, there's an interesting wordplay at the end there. Um, seducta, seduced, adocta, instructed, and ididit, produced. Ducta, docta, didit. Right, so Bede's a very skilled Latinist. Mm. Okay, so that that's the this is the beginning of our salvation, and the it's starting with you know why we need it, right? Because of of um, 
our first parents were deceived by the serpent and stripped of the glory of immortality. Because mm. death made its entrance through a woman, it's fitting that life returned through a woman. The tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about those trees. It's, it's certainly implied tree there. Yes. Yes. So this is here. He's actually he's quoting from Augustine um, at the fitting that life returned through a woman. So I what I I was reading Sir John Henry Newman, who is one of the famous Catholics of the nineteenth century. Uh, famous because he started out not Catholic and then lost his university job when he became Catholic because you couldn't have a university job and be Catholic in England at that time, so you got fired. Mm -hmm. um, and he was. Um, I was reading the letter that he wrote to Pusey, who was apparently one of the Anglicans. I mean, they're they're having discussions over the 19th century about like what true doctrine is, and there's Newman was involved in the Oxford Tractarian movement to like write tracts on on lots of things, and Pusey, I, mm -hmm. I think, was one of his previous friends, right? And Pusey writes this long sort of, "Do you realize all the silly things that Catholics believe?" And of the silly things that Catholics believe, the one that Newman like focused on to write back to Pusey on was stuff about Mary. It, in fact, you can read Pusey's book and it's about a lot of other things, but Mary was the thing that Newman wrote back about. And, and one of the things he says is, look, you claim that we give greater honor to Mary than, than we should, but look, you agree that all of these fathers actually say, look, death came through a woman, salvation comes through a woman. Just like this, right? Mm -hmm. Just like be there, be saying it, be 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 saying it right there, um, and that that is like of the things that you want to understand about where Mary fits in the story. It's one of the most ancient claims there is. Well, she's there in the Gospel, right? So she's there in Luke to start with. But the earliest fathers and Newman points to like Tertullian and here we went to the other ones, but Irenaeus that they all do this parallelism, right? That there's the the um, mother of humanity and the mother of of reborn humanity are are twinned in, in Mary and Eve. Mm. So you want the most ancient belief that we have about Mary is that, other than what Luke says. So it's like it is. It's like the icon that uh, has Eve facing the pregnant virgin. Mm-hmm. The two of them are twinned. And so the tree twinning is really important always. It's mm. it's it, the tree twinning happens throughout the the medieval iconography. It's the cross is going to become a tree as well. The tree of life, right? Mm. Yeah. Okay, well that's that's so well, the, I mean, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but the, the this has kind of exploded the Protestant claim that Mary's just a vessel, and like you know, we'll say it again and again and again. But <laughs> the this uh, this argument with um, Orthodox and Catholic veneration of the Virgin is always that we make too much of a, too much of a big deal out of somebody who's only briefly mentioned in the in the right. gospel. So this is this is a 
that that argument disappears instantly once you once you start to understand uh, bead referencing the virgin. Right, and that's that's exactly Newman's point. Saying Pusey, why? Mm -hmm. How are you saying she's not important? She's she's mm -hmm. you know how could how can we pay? I mean, it's like she's an essential part of the story. Mm. Well, it's like uh, the the argument of trying to get rid of the Christmas tree. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes. So we, ha we have the argument that the trees were pagan and therefore they're unnecessary or they should be removed. So no more Christmas trees because <laughs> the trees are right. pagan. No more Mary. Mm. Okay, so, but the next bit is the one that I was thinking about when we were talking about the, the Godzillas. Right, so we've got the okay. we've got we've got some context for thinking about the trees as internal to this mystery. Right. Um and, and I I was thinking about this when we were talking about it's like what kind of messiah are people hoping for that they want him mm -hmm. to come in power right yes so it's interesting the way beat sets this up and so the angel gabriel was sent by god rarely do we read that angels appearing to human beings are designated by name but wherever this occurs it is so that they may even by their very name suggest what ministry they have come to carry out now gabriel means strength of god and rightly he shone forth with such a name, since by his testimony he bore witness to the coming birth of God in the flesh. Citing um, Gregory the Great in, in the, on the Gospel. The prophet said this in the psalm. The Lord strong and powerful, the Lord powerful in battle. That's Psalm um, 24, 8, or 23, 8. Right, so yes, yeah, that makes sense which one it's one of the psalms that's used in the Marian office. <laughs> Makes sense. The Lord strong and powerful, the Lord powerful in battle. That battle, undoubtedly, in which he, Christ, came to fight the powers of the air and to snatch the world from their tyranny. But he's done it in two paragraphs. <laughs> Isn't that great? All right. It's like the devil deceives yeah. and, you know, and, and our parents fall because of, of pride and Gabriel is sent as strength of God because the Lord comes powerful in battle to fight the powers of the air and to snatch the world from their tyranny. It's happening. Mm -hmm. This is it. Yeah. Godzilla. <laughs> it's amazing, actually. Uh, the powers of the air. Well, you know, you mentioned before the pharaonic statues and how they, they would make noises at particular mm. times. The thunder. <laughs> this, uh, the noise of these uh, monstrous giant idols everywhere. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So when I was, I mean, obviously I'd read this before we, we were and we were talking about the, the, the Godzillas and the, like, what are we hoping to be saved from? 
That's what I was. Mm-hmm. I got distracted by the Christmas tree discussion. <laughs> Hope everybody understands Christmas trees are Christian. Um, the the problem of like what are we being saved from, and why mm-hmm. isn't it's like the, the the reason we have we have an image of the Lord in the, in the Psalms as this Godzilla character. And, mm-hmm. and there are ways in which he is very Godzilla-like. Or he, I mean, Job, he fights the Leviathan and the Behemoth, sea monster and fire-breathing dragon. And um, it, it's, 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 I suppose it's like the trees. The trees are always there. The mythology of the Bible is just as strange and bizarre and wonderful as any adventure movie you want to watch. Right. I think I think that's the sort of mm-hmm. everyone's so used to the maybe this is where we want to go. It's there's so used to the nineteenth century historical Jesus that's focused on his mm-hmm. humanity. And you know, he's 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 a guy who says some clever things and you know, falls afoul of the, the imperial authorities and whoops. <laughs> and, yes. and so the, the, you know, and, and it's like, everyone's like, well, why isn't he a big, you know, why isn't he 30 foot high and stomping on everybody? And, you know, it's, it's, and I, I, which, where am I going with this? Yeah. Do we want him 30 foot high and stomping on everybody? It's an interesting question. Because Bede is almost said, right? It's like the Lord, strong and powerful, the Lord, powerful in battle. That battle, undoubtedly, in which Christ came to fight the powers of the air and to snatch the world from their tyranny. That that sounds like he's Mm going to come and, like, beat Auschwitz. Yeah. And and uh, actually, it's all coming together. Yay! Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Right? We're saying that what B did write about the the when the the Anglo Saxons and he's in Northumbria. Which maybe you guys don't understand. So it's like Bede's in Northumbria. So the king that he talks about taking counsel with his warriors and priests on whether they should convert is is of of Northumbria and. When they have this discussion, the priest takes a sword, a spear, spear, excuse me, spear, and and says, you know, this this new god that, you know, the 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 Christians say they have, is powerful in battle, and he takes a spear and throws it into the temple enclosure of their mm. of their their ancestral worship. I get the sense that it's just like wooden palisade, but you know, it's, it, it's, uh, there, it was their, you know, temple area. So they're perfectly, they're perfectly aware of the, you know, the possibility of seeing Godzilla God. I would just stick with that. Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the image, but this isn't the, This isn't the the baby in the manger. 
Well, I think I think if paganism has the power that it does to impose f- Shark Week on Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, we're you know it should be here, right? Just because Bede's really learned and read a lot of books, you know, the power of paganism should have like overwhelmed him. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and very easily, considering what the pagans were doing. Uh, right. I think this is. I think yeah, maybe this it, is where we it, wanted it, to go. It, we started it, with the the horror of what's going on in the Holy Land right now, and how you know everybody's yeah. like trapped in it, watching it, having to watch it. And the, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the claim, he's like, if only the Godzilla would come and stomp on all the bad guys, all of this would stop. And we look at, we look at antiquity and say, well, they're stupid. They would, you know, be able to, you know, they, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference between Godzilla and Christ. Wait. Hmm. That they would blend these, you know, it's like, of course, of course, of course, of course they would take over, you know, the Colosseum and stomp around and have battles. But that's not what happened. They didn't, they did, they weren't in a... They they weren't uh, they weren't in Godzilla mode. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, abs- the world tends to want to be in Godzilla mode. It doesn't take Auschwitz to want that. No. No. No, that's the default position of humanity. Exactly. Yeah. That's the Huns invading Europe and uh <laughs> I mean it's it's every empire. It's it's every barbaric massacre that ever happened in the history of the human race. Mm-hmm. That should be the story, right? If it was so if, if Christianity yep. was so lame as to be constantly simply pagan pagan warmed over and that the truth Mm -hmm. of the festival was actually really just I don't know making stuff up because it's dark those trees of light right Mm. you you just like you just like them because I've been really feeling the dark this year <laughs> I, put, I put I put my but, eternal tree up, you know, the first Sunday in Advent. It stays up till Candlemas, as <laughs> so concerned. You got to beat the seasonal effective disorder I do, with my Christmas tree, <laughs> with my Lady Tree of Light, right? But it's 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 all it, the, the the sort of stunningness of the these kinds of arguments, saying we're cleverer than be, Bede potentially. And mm-hmm. therefore, we know better that this, this this fake festival is actually not really about what it says in the, in the scriptures or you know what we learn from our our worship, but it's actually about 
Um, wait, I've got I've gotten tangled up. The uh, it's it, it, about the length of the daylight. That, but but the length of the daylight and and that yeah. that true religion, because in all other non-Christian context, I I am worried about like the the giant Christ that they have in Brazil and Portugal and stuff. But anyway, we won't worry about that mm-hmm. right now. Um, that that the you know the the desire of humanity is for Godzilla's default. Yep. 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 Satan tempts Eve with the promise that she's going to get one of those, right? You will have the tree, you know, get this tree and it'll be stumpy stompy. And our, mm-hmm. our tendency is always to long for that level of power. Oh, I don't know. With AI. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like easy. the Philistines and Goliath. Yeah. Yeah. They want the Philistines and the Goliath. They, everyone wants the champion. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can just see yeah. the money Elon Musk on a building right now, right? <laughs> X, he's gonna X, he's gonna come, he's gonna stomp all over. Every- I, I did, I read a funny um, op-ed by one of my UC, UC Chicago colleagues this morning about how if Trump, if you know Trump as president, wouldn't be that big of a deal because he won't be able to do anything anyway. And I'm like, that's an interesting op-ed, op-ed to write, don't mm-hmm. you think? Just like, oh yeah, it's not gonna be a big deal. We, 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 it won't, he, he won't be able to convince any lawyers to do anything anyway. He'll be totally impotent. Interesting words for Trump. Well, I know, I, that may be mine rather than his, but it's the, you know, the, the sort of our projection is always both of like the enemy one will be the giant monster. No, he won't. He'll be little bitty. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's only truly a god if we can see him on a building. Yeah, he's got to be on a billboard. Or on a coin. Fear not, he said, Mary. I skipped a bit. You have found grace with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Which is straight up saying he's the Son of God, right? The, the, the scriptures do say yeah. it. Yeah. So it's not just Jesus making it up. I mean, it's in the scriptures, which everybody defaults to saying is the truth, right? So here it is in Luke. Angel telling Mary, he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Bede says, we should carefully note the order of the words here, and the more firmly they are engrafted in our heart, the more evident it will be that the sum total of our redemption consists in them. Sum total of our redemption. For they proclaim with perfect clarity that the Lord Jesus, that is, our Savior, was born both with both the true Son of God the Father and the true Son of a Mother who was a human being. Behold, he says, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son. Acknowledge that this true human being assumed the true substance of flesh from the flesh of the virgin. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Confess, too, that this same son is true God of true God, co-eternal son forever of the eternal father. I mean, B, B just lives in a tiny little monastery in the North of England. Okay, it's like really well connected. And they've got a lot of books and stuff. But it's like this, this, the, the, if you see the buildings where he lived, they're shacks. 
in stone, but they're little bitty, right? This is he's writing this mm-hmm. out of. He he writes and describes himself as like I, I lived my whole life in this monastery. He's like he and the abbot are the only ones that didn't die of plague when he was a child. <laughs> so. so they've survived a pandemic. Yes. <laughs> okay. And and yet he can write this grandeur of this is the sum of our redemption, the son of God mm. and the son of the the human mother. The use of the future tense in the statement, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high, should not lead anyone to suppose that this is to be understood in the sense that Christ was not Lord from before his birth, from the virgin. Instead, we should understand this statement to mean that as a human being born in time, he received the same power of divine majesty that he had eternally had as son of God, so that our mediator and redeemer was one person with two natures. So this brings us into the, the, the debate over the description of the nature of Christ, mm-hmm. which we, 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 uh, Coptics have had some <laughs> difficulty explaining because <laughs> we have a, 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 a slightly different Christology in the way that we would describe this. So not to get into an argument over, over the wording, because I think, uh, that's not the purpose of what we're talking about here but it's the meditation on the divine and human natures this uh this is how shall i say we express this slightly differently because we don't like to make a distinction that means it sounds like the divine and human are still separated Mm. In Christ, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, uh, this is why we. This is why uh, Coptic Orthodox have had so much tension with the the Chalcedonian churches, because in our meditation, it's <sighs> probably the best way of describing this would be um, to meditate on the burning bush and seeing the divine fire in the tree that's god and man in the in the virgin pre- pregnant with christ uh that in christ the divine nature and the human nature are fully and completely united and so we don't like to describe them as uh distinct anymore hopefully this makes sense so he gives he gives one more metaphor let me read this one i know you have to you have okay. to go so i'm i'm that's a bit yeah um so he's talking about the the most high will overshadow you um we can indeed understand that saying and the power of the most high will overshadow you at a more profound level in relation to the sacrament of the lord's incarnation the sacrament is mystery right um for we mm. say that we are overshadowed when in the baking noonday sun we put ourselves between ourselves and the sun either an intervening tree or any other sort of shade mm. by which we may render the sun's heat or light more tolerable to ourselves thus it is not without reason that our redeemer is designated by the light or heat of the sun 
for he both illuminates us with the knowledge of truth and inflames us with love. Hence he himself says mm. through the prophet, To you, however, who fear my name, the Son of Justice shall arise. It was his rays which the Blessed Virgin received when she conceived the Lord. But that same Son, that is, the divinity of our Redeemer, cloaked itself with the covering of human nature as with a shade, and by this means a virgin's womb was able to bear him. Thus the power of the Most High overshadowed her at the time when the divine might of Christ filled her with his presence. In order that his substance could be received by her, he veiled himself with our weakness. It's beautiful. And this is, it's so constantly going against Godzilla aspirations. Mm -hmm. We're saying, mm. and and that I mean, we are going to keep trying and keep working on on trying to 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 express this mystery. But we do believe that God could squish the world if He wanted to. He made it, mm -hmm. and uh, you know that that sort of it's in, it's so interesting how the incarnation confounds that desire for that level of revenge. Right. We want the Godzilla to come and blast our, you know, the, we mad, imagine we do it with atomic bombs or something, right? We just, we blast mm -hmm. the world and that would be better if we could just blast all the badness away. And why won't, mm -hmm. why won't God come and blast all the badness away? <laughs> Get rid of all the baddies. Yeah. Yep. And the, 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 the enduring to be continued mystery is why doesn't he? <laughs> mm -hmm. Because it's like to say we are saved through our Lord mighty in battle because he comes to help us against the powers of the air by entering into his own creation through a woman who in the story gives her consent, so that matters, um, mm -hmm. and transforms the world through this birth. Mm. And some and somehow. There's developed this argument that the people who understood this mystery as B did were too stupid to realize that they were really still pagan. Mm. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <clears throat> he's quite conscious of what he's not saying, that God should come into the world and beat up, beat up everybody who's bad. Yep. He does conclude with what we're supposed to do. Imitating her voice and mind to the best of our abilities, dearly beloved brothers, let us recall that we are Christ's servants in all of our acts and motions. Let us subject all the members of our body in service to him and let us direct the whole gaze of our mind to the fulfillment of his will. Thus, since we have received his gifts, let us give thanks by living properly 
so that we may deserve to show ourselves worthy of receiving greater gifts. Let us unremittingly pray, along with the Blessed Mother of God, that it may be done to us in accordance with his word, that word namely by which he himself explained the reason for his incarnation when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. And there is no doubt that he will very quickly deign to hearken to us who cry out to him from the depths. Since for our sake, when we did not yet recognize him, he deigned to descend to this deep valley of tears. Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit for ages and ages. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing with us this meditation this evening. We hope it answers some of your questions <laughs> about Christmas trees, if, 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 not, if nothing else. And pray to our Lord Jesus Christ that we may be worthy of his light. Mm. Yes. Pray for peace in the world and the coming of our Savior. Amen. Amen. Good night, everyone. Oh, yes. Keep, come back, please. Subscribe. Things like that. We have more stories to tell Thumbs you. up. Thumbs, Thumbs up. <laughs> in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>